through four. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lisa, for reading, and Sohi, thank you for that heartfelt prayer. Um, I did surprise myself in how much water I used. I think that was my biggest splash, so I'm just like drying off. I think I like, got the Trinity's name out of order there as I was like baptizing Shepherd because I was like, well, that was a lot of water, but I think that was good. I think I liked that amount, and so I'm just like, that was the splash zone up here, and my notes have all, have all dried off. Um, my name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity, and uh, last week, we just started a four-week series on Psalm 23. I was looking at page four here in the bulletin, and there's the Lord's Prayer printed out, as well as um, Psalm 23. It's actually the whole psalm, and it's from, from the ESV version. But right before the service, I was talking to Gavin up there in the booth, who's our PowerPoint man um, for this morning, and he shared with me a story. I thought it was, it was a great story. I wanted to share it with you to begin here. The USS Indianapolis was um, an aircraft carrier in World War II. It was a large boat. He's, he's a, a destroyer. So one of, it, was a, it was the largest destroyer in World War II that was sunk. So it was sunk in World War II. He was telling me about this um, this book he was reading about what happened, and he was saying as the soldiers were facing their last moments, there were two things that they were reciting to each other, the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the most beloved, one of the most memorized, one of the most powerful passages in all of the scriptures. And last week, we just started by looking at verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's so much there just in verse 1. It answers, we looked at last week, three questions that every person has to answer every day, really. Who am I? Psalm 23, verse 1 says, you're a sheep. If there is a God, who is he? Well, there is, and he is your shepherd. And thirdly, what do I want? What do I want in life? Psalm 23, 1 says, I shall not want. I want nothing. I lack nothing if I'm following God as my shepherd in trust wherever he leads. So what do I want? Psalm 23, 1. I want nothing more than to stay close, to stay near to that shepherd. Well, that's verse 1. This morning we're going to go beyond just verse 1 and look at the whole psalm, really take a look at the psalm as a whole. And to do that, we need to just review and know a couple things. First, Isaac mentioned this at the opening of our service. Who wrote Psalm 23? If you have your Bible open, you'll see there's a note there. It's written by King David. And if you know a little bit about the story of King David, you'll know he, he was a shepherd. 
as a boy, as a young man, and later he became the greatest king in Israel's history. So David was a shepherd, he was a ruler, he was also a poet, an amazing poet and an amazing musician. And in kings in the ancient Near East were often called shepherds. They liked to think of themselves as shepherd rulers. And David brought both his experience as a shepherd, as a ruler, his skill as a poet and a songwriter all come together in this psalm. And perhaps, maybe, that's why it's his most powerful psalm. Because it was, in essence, him describing his entire life his life journey as a shepherd and also as a king. So I think we could see this psalm as a reflection, David's reflection on his whole life and on his calling in these six verses. That's who wrote it. What's it about? Well, Psalm 23, you could describe it in many different ways. One of my professors in seminary, Bruce Walkey, he says the best way to understand Psalm 23 is to think about it as a day in the life of a sheep. So this is like a sheep's diary entry. My day today, <laughs> Psalm 23. And I think that's helpful because it tells the story of a sheep's typical day's journey from beginning to end. I take these two insights together. Psalm 23 is one day in the life of a sheep and as uh, the reflection of David on his own life journey, it helps us make sense of all of our days. It helps us make sense of our entire life's journey. If we follow God as a sheep who follows a shepherd, here's what the journey will look like, Psalm 23 tells us. And I think this is why Psalm 23 is so powerful and so meaningful to so many people, because no matter where you are in your journey, it speaks to you from beginning to end. If you're exploring Christianity, maybe you're not a Christian yet, you still have questions, you're not convinced, I think it speaks powerfully to you about what does it look like to be a Christian, to go on this journey following Jesus. If you've just recently come to faith in Jesus, it describes the journey for you, it lays it out. And if you've been a Christian for many years, if you've been following Jesus for many years, it helps you navigate the different points that God leads you in the journey. That's how we're going to look at it this morning. And, and anytime you take a, a trip or you go on a journey, you need at least two things. You need to know where the journey leads, and you need to know who leads the journey. And I think Psalm 23 tells us both things. Where are we going and who's leading? First, where the journey leads. So before we take a journey, we need to know where are we going? If you plug in your destination, if you know where you're going, you plug it into your Maps app, Google Maps or whatever, you plug it in, and then it tells you how to get there. But I don't know if you're like me. I don't, I don't like just plugging it in and then putting it to the side in my car and going one step at a time. I want to look at the whole journey as a whole and say, okay, where am I turning from beginning to end so I get a sense before I head out, what are the steps along the way? And if you're giving directions to somebody before the days of Google Maps, we had to give directions, right, to each other, often what you'll do is, to, is say, okay, here, you want to get over here, take this left, take this right, and you'll also give landmarks. You're going to pass a gas station, you're going to see that restaurant, you'll pass such and such a tree or whatever. 
And if you've ever had that experience, if you're driving somewhere, you've never been there before, everything's unfamiliar, and you have those moments where you're like, am I, am I going the right direction? Am I lost? Sometimes you're, you're wondering, this, this, I'm going too far down this road. Where is this right turn? Where is this left turn? But if somebody gives you a landmark and you see the gas station or you see the restaurant, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm okay. I'm not lost. I'm heading in the right direction. In Psalm 23, God is giving us, in essence, the map. He's giving us the steps, the landmarks for the journey that he takes all who follow after him. So we're going to look at four places where the journey leads us. Where does the journey lead? I think there are actually five different places in this psalm, but we're going to save one of those for next week. Uh, Pastor Eric Chappelle is going to cover that one. We're going to look at four. Where does the journey lead us? First, the psalm says the shepherd leads us into pastures. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The shepherd leads his sheep into places of plenty and places of provision. Here in Southern California, we actually have a great advantage in understanding this psalm over the rest of the country. Because why? Because the weather and the climate in Southern California is very similar to that in Palestine and in Israel. So that means... The green pastures in Southern California are a lot like the green pastures in Palestine, which means there aren't many. Right now, if you go out and look for pasture here in Orange County, even in the open places, you'll find brown pasture. You won't find green pasture. It's the same in Israel. It only rains for a short season. And then after the rains, the pastures turn green. Also, in the same way, water, if you're looking for water, if you're looking for streams here in Southern California, you're not going to find many streams, except in the rainy season. Water is rare. And on top of that, when, when a sheep is led to water, it doesn't like to have the, the flowing water. It doesn't like to have a busy river. It likes to have only quiet water. It won't drink from flowing and fast-flowing water. You take all that together, and all that means that a sheep should never take for granted a place where there is green, lush pasture and quiet water. Without the shepherds leading, the sheep would never find it and they would never get there on their own. So a quick word of application for us. When we experience pasture, times of plenty and provision, when we experience quiet waters, when our needs are taken care of, it's always a gift of God. It should never be taken for granted. But when the sheep gets into the pastures, verse 2, what is the sheep supposed to do? Lie down. That's a picture of rest. It's a picture of contentment. And in order for us to understand how this applies, we need to look at a, a little translation issue in verse 2. In the ESV that's listed for you there in the bulletin, it says, he makes me lie down. If you have another translation, maybe you have a different version like the CSB or others, it says, he lets me lie down. He makes me lie down or he lets me lie down. Which is it? Well, I think makes me lie down, as I've been studying this, is problematic on a few levels. One, if you talk to a shepherd, from what I understand, they would say to you, good luck making a sheep lie down. 
You don't make a sheep lie down. You cannot force a sheep to lie down. You have to lead them to a place of provision. And then you just let them lie down. On top of that, um, theologically, I think there's an issue here. It carries a forcefulness, the word makes. It's not necessarily in the language here. It's not how God leads us with this type of forcefulness. Instead, He leads us to places where we enjoy His gifts of plenty and He lets us lie down. So I think lets, lets me lie down is preferred. When we think about coming to places in our journey where there's plenty, where there's pasture, where there's quiet water. There's so much here that applies to our lives. In a time, in a place, in a culture like ours with more abundance, with more green pasture, with more quiet water, maybe than ever before in history, and anywhere else in the entire world, we're also more stressed and restless and discontent maybe than any other time in history and anywhere else in the world. Why is that? How can that be? Well, the question that I've been asking myself that's been helpful, a question for seasons of pasture in my journey, if God leads me there and if He provides it and He lets me lie down and rest, why can't I let myself lie down? If it's not God's voice that keeps saying, you need to keep going, you need to keep working, you need to keep busy, you need to keep active, don't lie down, lazy sheep. If that's not God's voice, then whose voice is it? It's another voice. God says, lie down, rest, enjoy. Why am I saying no? Here's how Psalm 23, I think, answers this. When you're in seasons of pasture in your life and you cannot lie down, it's probably a sign that you're not following the shepherd of Psalm 23. You're following a different shepherd. The God of Psalm 23 lets you lie down. But no other shepherd does. What do I mean? Well, if, if work is my shepherd, if success and achievement is my shepherd, if financial security is my shepherd, if a certain relationship going a certain way is my shepherd, if getting to a place where my life is under my control is my shepherd, we'll never be able to lie down. Because at any moment, any of these things could go wrong and abandon us. So we can't lie down. Whatever we look to to provide, to protect, to guide us, to restore our souls, that's our real shepherd. And the shepherd of Psalm 23 says, you can lie down because I will never abandon you or mislead you. It's not all up to you. In Mark 6, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark 6. There's a story there of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. If you know that story, there are strong connections between Mark 6 and the feeding of 5,000 to Psalm 23. There, Jesus had just sent out his disciples to do a lot of work. He said, here, I'm going to show you how to do the ministry that I've been called to do. You guys go out and do it. And they came back, and, and it says they reported to Jesus all they had said and all they had taught and all they had done. So they had come back, and they were excited to get Jesus' reaction. Look at all that we did. And what does Jesus say in Mark 6 when they give him the report? He says, that's good. Come away by yourselves 
to a desolate place and rest a while. And it says as they were there, the crowds ended up following them, and he looked out at all the crowds, and he says, it says in Mark 6, he felt compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then the story goes on and says Jesus um, asked the disciples because they had come up with, to him and said, okay, it's getting late. How are these people all going to eat? He said, you feed them. And they said, how are we going to feed all these people? He said, go find something. They brought back Five loaves and two fish. Jesus took it, and the story tells us he blessed it, he broke it, and somehow 5,000 people ate. Do you know where it says that all this happened? If you look in Mark 6, it says Jesus commanded the people, all the people, 5,000 people, to sit down in groups on the green grass, in the green pastures. It's the good shepherd feeding his sheep with the measly offering that they bring to him. He takes it. He blesses it. He multiplies it. He's the good shepherd who will lead us into pasture. In and of ourselves, we will never have and do enough. Jesus is and gives us all we need. He says, come and rest and be satisfied in me. There's so much more we could say about this part in the journey, but I want to move us on through Psalm 23. The first place the shepherd leads is into pasture. Second, he leads us along the right paths. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So God leads us along the right paths. Amongst the scholars of this psalm, there's a discussion about verse 3, about the, the restoring that's spoken of in verse 3. Is it, he brings me back, he restores me back to himself, or is it he restores my soul? It could be translated both ways. Is it he brings me back when I'm lost and when I wander? Or is it that he renews me in the deepest places of my being and in my soul? Is it speaking of times in our life journey of repentance when God turns us back? We're heading the wrong way. He brings us back to the right way. Or is it speaking of times in our life journey when we experience deep soul refreshment? With God? My answer is yes. I think it's both. Our times of repentance and turning back are the times of our greatest soul refreshment and renewal. As we saw last week, this psalm has a prerequisite that's unspoken, and that is you are a sheep, sheep who follows the shepherd. Expect then to get lost, expect to wander. Expect to be weak and vulnerable, but expect God to find you, and when you're lost, he will turn you around. Times of repentance, times of being found, times of being lost and wandering are not then times of shame and guilt, but those are the times in our journey of the deepest refreshment and the deepest renewal. That's a sign that you understand the gospel, the heart of the Christian message. Are times of repentance times of refreshment for you? Or are they times to beat yourself up, to be guilty, and to be stuck in shame? Psalm 23.3 says, when he restores you, when he turns you back, he does it because he loves you. It's a time of renewal and refreshment. He will lead you along the right path. There's a reason given here for why we can count on the shepherd to always lead his sheep along the right path. Do you see the reason? Four, 
his name's sake. He leads us along the right path, the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So the shepherd leads us because he cares for the sheep and because he cares for his own name. These are two things that God cares passionately for, and they're actually one and the same. Let me explain what I mean by that. First, a name. A name, our own name, our reputation, that's a very precious thing. It's actually a very delicate and fragile thing, right? For example, my own name, I could ruin and mar my own name and reputation just by saying one word up here. Just one action, and all of us too, especially in a day of social media. Just one thing you say, one thing you do, and your name is ruined. Your reputation is marred. Jesus says, the shepherd says here of Psalm 23, I put my name on the line in how I lead you. To those who know and own their sheepness, to those who follow and trust the shepherd, God stakes his reputation in how he protects, how he provides, how he guides and cares for you. And there's no greater guarantee we could have than this. When we get lost, he'll find us. When we wander, we won't be able to wander away from him. He will lead us in the right path. God's passion for his own name and God's passion that we would know his name, that we would know him for who he is. Those two things guarantee us that no matter where we go in the journey, he will lead us. He will always bring us back to the right path. So the journey leads us into pastures. It leads us along the right paths. And next, the shepherd leads his sheep through dark valleys. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What is, what is this valley of the shadow of death? Well, it's a picture. It's a picture of times when we feel our mortality, even when we're at the end of our lives. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It's also a picture of dark times, times when we suffer, hard times, times when we are deeply afraid. Notice that it says the shepherd <clears throat> leads his sheep through, through the dark valley. It's very significant. The shepherd leads his sheep through dark valleys, not to dark valleys. And you might say, well, that's just a, a semantic difference, but it's not. We need to know the absolute difference between the shepherd leading us to the dark valley and through the dark valley, especially when we are in the dark valley and in those times in our lives. The valleys are a part of the journey. First, we, we need to note that it's harmful and it's false and untrue to say to be a Christian means God will never lead you through suffering and pain and valleys, but we need to expect it. We need to know that it's there. It's a part of the journey. But for the shepherd to lead us through means whatever valley you are in, whatever valley you enter into, it will pass. It will pass. It can feel so dark. It can feel so lonely. And you can be so afraid. The shepherd will lead you through. Through also means it's not the destination. It's something you pass 
through to get where you are going. Despite confusion when we're in the valley, despite anger, despite deep fear and questions, it's a part of what we, ma- we must. It's a part of where the shepherd must lead us through in order to get us where he's taking us. It says, when God leads us through dark valleys, David writes, I will not fear for you are with me. Last week we said, Psalm 23, it's, it's so powerful because it's so personal. David says, the Lord, you are my, my personal shepherd. Here in verse 4 is where the psalm is the most personal, the most intimate. David goes from third person to speaking about God in the first and second person. Do you see that? It starts off by saying the Lord is, third person, he leads, he restores, he lets. But here in the valley, he is talking directly to God. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Valleys are where God goes from third person to first and second person. Valleys are where we learn to know God from the third person to the first and the second person. It's not that we will understand everything about why we had to go through the valley. It's not that we will know exactly how long we will be in the valley. But we will be able to say, as we walk after the shepherd, you are with me. His staff guides the sheep through the valley. His rod protects the sheep from evil. He goes with them through the dark valley. Just a quick application here. The dark valley, um, one, of the, one of the main applications of, of the, the shepherd leading his, his sheep through this dark valley, it speaks to these seasons in our lives of, of depression, of dark times. And there are, I know, many, many places along the spectrum when it comes to depression. About a quarter of people experience serious depression in their lives one time or another. And I want to speak very delicately and very carefully here because the, the cures and the causes of any type of depression are, are many and mysterious. But I, but I remember speaking to somebody who had gone through seasons of depression, and it seemed like it was going to be a part of their life, something that they had to face, something that they had to walk through um, for really the rest of their lives. And they were talking about what they learned in order to get through these dark valleys. And what they were saying was, the, when, when you're depressed, you feel so alone, you feel so isolated, like no one understands, like no one is there with you. And everything changed for them when they grabbed a hold of what Psalm 23 is saying here, that although I'm still going to go through the dark valley, I'm not going to go through it alone. Sometimes I don't feel the presence of the shepherd. Sometimes I wonder if he is there. But I think I can make it through because he's with me in the darkness. I'm not alone. That spoke powerfully to me, and I think that's what Psalm 23 is saying. That the shepherd who leads us into pasture along the right paths, he is always with us in the dark valleys. Last place on the journey, where does it all lead? It goes to pasture, along the right paths, through dark valleys, and finally leads us to home. What's the final destination on the journey? Verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
At the end of the day, in the sheep's diary, he's back in the sheepfold with his shepherd. He's home. On any road trip involving children or on any road trip involving impatient adults, there is a classic question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And there's the classic answer, right? Almost. We're almost there. We're almost there. And then you get back. We said that 30 minutes ago. We're almost there. We're almost there. In verse 6, we're told where the journey ends. It ends in his house. His house is where the shepherd lives. No matter where we are in the journey, in pastures, on the wrong path, on the right path, in the valleys, it's a part of getting us to the end, to our home. And in the grand scope of eternity, in the grand scope of forever, Psalm 23 says we can say we're almost there. We're almost there. I've been thinking a lot about home, the concept of home over this past month. Some of you know our family's been displaced out of the home we were living in for the past two years. There was a leak and mold and all this chaos happened. And we, we were living in place to place. We finally moved into our, our new home this past week. So I've been thinking a lot about home and feeling this longing for home. When you don't have a place to go home to, say, oh, this is my place. I can rest. It's just all disorienting. It's so difficult. The final sermon on this series will be on verse 6. There's much more to say about it. But for now, knowing that the journey leads us to home means at any point along the journey, we can say these three things. First, this isn't the end. Our search for home in this world, in this life, will never be fully satisfied. We'll never be fully at home at any point along the journey. This isn't the end. We can also say, though, I will get to the end. I will get to the end. We will get home. Surely, it says, all the days of our life, God is moving us. He is pursuing us. He's drawing us. He's moving us forward so that we will live with him forever. He will get us home. I will get to the end. This isn't the end. I will get to the end. And thirdly, when I get to the end. When I get to the end, I'll be able to look back on the journey, all the different places where the shepherd has been leading me, all the places he took me, and I'll be able to say, now I see it. I see what you were doing in the pastures. I see how you brought me back when I was lost and wandering. I see what you were doing in the dark valleys. Now I see that's where the journey leads. We also need to talk about who leads the journey. We need to know where the journey leads. We also need to know who leads it. Uh, a few weeks ago, back um, in July, I was, for the first time since college, I went on a backpacking trip um, with, with Eddie here, who's our worship leader. And so I'd, I hadn't gone. I didn't really know what to do or what, where we were going or anything. So I was getting a little bit of information from Eddie saying, where are we going? We're going here, here's where we're going, here's what we're going to do. Uh, and I was like, that's helpful. But it was even more important to me that I was going with Eddie because he's an experienced backpacker. As long as you know what you're doing, I'm taking my son with us. Just don't let us die. We're trusting you with our lives. So it was important for me to know, okay, where are we going? But it was all the more important to me that I knew who 
was leading the journey. It's the same for life. It's important we know where the journey leads, but it's even more important that we know who leads the journey. Psalm 23 tells us this is the journey. It tells us what it looks like. We've seen that. But even more so, it tells us who it is that leads the journey, what he does, how he leads. Look at it again. He lets me lie down. He leads me. He restores. He leads. He is with us. He prepares. He anoints. He pursues us. What do we do in Psalm 23? We lie down. We walk. We follow. We trust. We walk by faith. Even when we don't know what lies ahead on the journey, even when we don't understand why are we here, shepherd, we walk, we trust, we follow because of who it is that leads us on the journey. Our power, that part sounds so easy, right? Just lie down. Just trust. That's all you have to do. It's so hard. It's so hard for us to follow and to walk. This is why God in Psalm 23 tells us, here's what you need more than anything. You need to know who I am. This is what you need in life's journey. Psalm 23, we said this last week, it's at the heart of a larger story in Scripture. It's a story of, of sheep and the shepherd. It runs throughout the Bible. It's told throughout the Scriptures. And the more the story unfolds, the more we see who the shepherd is. The more we see who leads us. In the very last book of the Bible, we see the conclusion to the story of the sheep and the shepherd. It's in Revelation. We see here's how the journey ends, as told in the pages of Scripture. I want to show you from Revelation chapter 7. It says this. This is a vision of the end of the age. This is a vision of heaven. They will no longer hunger they will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Did you catch that in Revelation 7? Who is the shepherd? It's the Lamb. The Lamb who is the shepherd, the sheep who is the shepherd. Jesus is both sheep and shepherd. This is who leads us on the journey. Jesus, the lamb. He lived the journey of Psalm 23. It's his journey as the perfect sheep, as the spotless lamb. Psalm 23 is about Jesus, the shepherd. Jesus, the leader. Jesus, the shepherd we can trust to lead us through the journey. Psalm 23 tells us the story and the journey of Jesus who came into the world as a lamb and eventually journeyed his way back to home with his father. He came as the lamb of God. He came as the lamb. The lamb is a baby sheep, most vulnerable, most weak. Jesus walked the journey of faith. He lied down in pasture. He showed us what it's like to receive and rest in the father's loving leadership. Jesus always followed the right path. That's why he's called the spotless lamb. He's called the perfect lamb. He never strayed. And Jesus descended 
into the valley of the shadow of death. He is a spotless, perfect lamb who was slain to bring back all the lost, all the straying sheep. Sheep like us who find it so hard to follow and trust. He went into the valley of the shadow of death, deeper than we would ever have to go away from the presence of his Father, so we would never have to. So we would know his presence is always with us in the valley. But Jesus passed through the valley because death and evil and sin were not stronger than the goodness and the mercy and the covenant love of God. He raised up again from the dead and he ascended back home to the Father's side. And from there, as the one who took the journey for us, as the one who descended into the valley of the shadow of death in our place, he is the one who leads us on our journey to eternal pasture, no more hunger, no more thirst, to right paths. He guides his lambs to the springs of the waters of life. There will be no more valleys where he leads us, no more tears. We'll be home with him. Later on in Revelation 14.4, it describes Christians like this. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They're the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Jesus is the one who has gone through it before us. He's lived through it on our behalf. He's gone there before us. And so, friends, we can trust him to lead us. Let's pray. Jesus, We thank you for this psalm. We thank you for showing us what the journey is like, and we thank you all the more for showing us more of who you are. And I pray this morning because we are all in different places on the journey. Some, some of us are in pastures. And I pray that we would turn the joy, the peace that we experience in these times of plenty into praise, receiving it as a gift from you. And would you enable us to learn to lie down? If we're heading down the wrong path, Lord, bring back your sheep. Cause us to turn around and not be weighed down by shame and guilt, but be refreshed in our souls to be amazed that we can turn back to you at any time and receive your forgiveness and your love. And for going through the dark valley right now, I pray that you would convince us in the deepest places of our heart that we're not alone, that you are with us. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that when we follow after you, you will lead us for your name's sake. May we trust, may we follow, and give us the grace we need. We ask it in, the, in your name, the name of our great, our good, and our chief shepherd, we pray. Amen.